In the second episode of The Voice of Healthcare, we interviewed Dr. Joe Marks, the Executive Director for the Center for Machine Learning and Health at Carnegie Mellon, about voice technology, the Echo Looks applications in healthcare, and even his favorite U2 track as he reveals he knows Bono back from grade school days. Enjoy. Hi. And welcome to the second episode of The Voice of Healthcare. My name is Bradley Metrock. I'm CEO of SCORE Publishing, a company based in Nashville, Tennessee. My co-host is Dr. Matt Sabolsky, principal of Ionia. And tonight, we're fortunate, very fortunate, to have with us Dr. Joe Marks, Executive Director for the Center for Machine Learning and Health at Carnegie Mellon University. Joe, say hello. Hi, everybody. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we're very grateful for you taking the time out of your schedule to share with us uh, some of your experience and your, your perspective on voice technology and, and healthcare. Joe, I want to start by asking you, um, just share with us a little bit about your background. And, um, you know, you, you're very prestigious. You've done a whole lot of stuff. Share, share with us in the audience a little bit of what you've done. So this healthcare is actually the sixth different industry that I've done technology R&D in, and uh, um, many of the other industries industries have also involved speech technology. So I set up and ran Disney Research, the technology arm of Disney Imagineering. Um, before that, I ran a research lab for Mitsubishi Electric, a Japanese company, and speech technologies was a part of all of that. So uh, I've seen speech uh, and voice in general, um, technologies around that, many different applications. It's exciting now to be working on it in the healthcare arena. Cool. So uh, share with us a little bit how um, Amazon just came to Carnegie Mellon, and uh, there were several presentations to the Alexa Fund. Share with us a little bit about how that came to be. Well, Carnegie Mellon, uh, maybe not a lot of your listeners know about it because it's a, it's a university in, in Pittsburgh. Uh, if you're not in computer science or drama, the two areas that it's uh, really strong and you might not know about it, but it is ranked uh, number one for computer science and for information and technology management in U.S. News and World Report. And uh, those of us in the field consider it right up there with MIT, Stanford, University of California, Berkeley. Um, they tend to have a bigger presence, but, but Carnegie Mellon, again, with the, for the insiders, it's a really top-notch place. So you get companies like Amazon, uh, often uh, it's the first place they'll stop, and in particular for language technologies and human-computer interaction, the, the real strengths of the department at, at CMU are... Uh, robotics, human-computer interaction, uh, speech, machine learning, and uh, given where healthcare is going, those are technologies that people see a lot of potential for application. So it's not surprising that Amazon would show up there, and indeed, every week or two, there's there's another big company that comes along. So it's a uh, uh, it's an unusual uh, uh, place maybe to think of for for high tech, but it is actually one of the very very best. So with voice technology and healthcare, I'm not in the industry. I just sort of observe it. I have received healthcare from time to time. What, um, what's the low-hanging fruit for voice technology and healthcare? What are the things that the layman like me uh, can expect to see voice technology? Um, what problems can we expect to see voice technology address first uh, in your estimation? 
That's a really great question. I'd say up until now, if you ask that question of a number of people in the field, they would go and say that uh, voice and speech technology uh, would primarily be applied to the editing and management of the electronic health record. Um, so pretty much now every practice has uh, an electronic health record system. And getting the data into that and, and also getting the data out of it is a major burden on the medical staff. Um, it's um, basically a lot of typing that needs to be done. And uh, there's been a lot of work done on trying to use speech recognition to automatically uh, transcribe what the doctor says and put it into the electronic health record. So that's the, the thing that people most often think about currently. The thing that, and, and I'm excited about some of the work in that space, and I do think there's a real opportunity there, but the thing that I'm really getting excited about now is um, having... Uh, voice systems in the home uh, because you'll see that home health care is going to become a much bigger thing in the coming years because of the Medicaid-managed um, MLTSS program, Managed Long-Term Services and Support for the Disabled and Elderly. Um, this is going to basically move the locus of health care for a significant chunk of the population from the doctor's office to their home. And, um, and these are people who uh, will be at a stage of life or have conditions that require frequent interactions. So uh, there I think there's a huge um, opportunity to have a way to, con for the to connect with them and for them to connect with their caregivers uh, in a natural and easy way from the home. And voice could be the preferred modality for that for a variety of reasons. And so that's the thing that's gotten me excited because it's it's a new opportunity. States are signing up for it. I think uh, I read somewhere by by 2014 they they had maybe 26 states. They continue to have states enrolling in this, but it's a relatively new thing. So that's what's getting me excited. But yeah, but most I people would think more. Yeah, I could not agree with you more about mm -hmm. um, the home health um, application of voice first technology, especially with tools like. Uh, Amazon's Alexa, um, you know, we for quite a while uh, tried to use some voice recognition software for physicians to speed their work. Um, Dragon, I think, has been the prevailing one, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I think there's actually a, a subtle distinction here between voice and speech technology. So speech recognition is about understanding the spoken word um, breaking it into phonemes and then, then assembling it into sentences and interpreting them. And that certainly has a role in home health care as well, so that people could request a, a, a visit um, or order prescription or, or simply alert people that they're not feeling well. But voice processing is looking at just the voice signal alone without really thinking about speech. And there's some exciting technologies in interpreting voice um, and, uh, and from that, discerning whether people have taken their medications or have had some kind of medical episode or just feeling stressed. Um, and I think that's the kind of thing that, particularly for a disabled and elderly population, all they have to do is interact naturally, um, say what they want to say. The system won't will be paying some attention to their words, but will also be paying attention to their voice and can infer um, a lot of the things that medical staff would want to know about them. So I just think it's a great fit for the disabled and elderly. Um, and that's on the input side, listening to their voices. I think then a whole other 
uh, side to this is communicating by voice to them, um, where I know something close to, to your heart, behavioral nudging um, for everything from getting them to do exercises to taking medication. So the, the two-way communication of voice is just a very, very rich uh, channel and particularly well suited, I believe, to the disabled and elderly in this home healthcare situation. Yeah, I've actually heard it described as uh, kind of discovering the deep sea when it comes to connecting speech recognition to things like even uh, neural networks and what we can get um, from people interacting uh, iteratively um, through speech and what we can learn uh, from the data sets that uh, develop from that. Um, you know, when we look inside of those things, uh, we don't necessarily have a programmer that sits back and says, I can see how this neural network came together and made this uh, connection. Is there any thoughts you have on machine learning and these neural networks that could be developed through something like a home health device like Alexa? Yes, one of the questions I had, so we have some excellent researchers, as I mentioned, at CMU in this space, and one of the early questions I had for them was the the stuff that they have shown in terms of interpreting voice and speech, um, would their techniques work over uh, a, a potentially difficult um, uh, connection or, or, or audio environment? Um, and it turns out that many of the things that they want to do uh, don't have, don't encounter difficulties when uh, when the audio is, 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 is not top-notch. Um, and that's very encouraging so that they can apply the techniques that they have used. I think you were referring there to using some of the machine learning techniques that can do these days some amazing things, but it's often a black box technology. You don't quite know how it's doing it. And there's a lot of resistance in healthcare to use machine learning in that black box fashion when it comes to diagnosis. Um, uh, medical professionals are very uncomfortable with just passing on a diagnosis from a machine without any rationale behind it or without them knowing why the machine made that diagnosis, even when it has a very strong track record. But I think the capabilities that we're talking about here, um, they're not diagnostic. Um, they're about healthcare delivery. Um, and that's where the economic opportunity at the moment really lies. When you look at, compare the U.S. system to other systems, it's the cost of our healthcare delivery um, that's really become a problem for us. And home healthcare is addressing that in one way, and this could be a key enabling technology. Um, but I think people would feel a lot more comfortable using some of the machine learning technologies in what is a non-diagnostic setting, but is a is all about healthcare delivery. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more when it comes to the delivery aspect of this. Something that I've come across regularly, which I know um, is echoed in some of the subtext of what you just said, is the absolute shortage of practitioners upcoming, both nurses and physicians and uh, ancillary staff, in order to take care of uh, all the growing uh, aged in this population as well as growing amounts of chronic conditions. Um, as a, a comparison, uh, COPD, which is something that I've been working on um, in China, um, they have estimated 200 million Chinese uh, are diagnosable COPD. Uh, in the United States, it's not that much. Clearly, it's more like 24 million. Uh, but in both sets, in both populations, there is certainly uh, a lacking amount of providers that can show people how to take care of themselves, maybe alter their health, or be, as you mentioned, a behavioral nudge to modify behaviors to get people to stop smoking or to be more compliant with medication. Um, that's where I really see this voice technology from a delivery perspective uh, changing the game completely. In fact, 
It might even be something more of the norm, especially with things coming out like Echo Show. Um, I suppose, I think it's called Echo Show, right, Bradley? It's the one with the monitor on it. Um, the idea that yes. you could connect to a practitioner or even better, uh, someone else that has the same disease as you do uh, inside of some sort of social connectivity um, to talk about how to take care of yourself in an optimal way. I think that the presence of a mo of a visual monitor uh, that certainly helps for the the social connection as well and making the systems more friendly to use. There's also something, boy, we learned back uh, when I was at Mitsubishi Electric back then that a, that a screen a, a paired with uh, a voice interface is often a very good um, a combination because the the, the screen can give feedback and correct the voice. It can, for example, tell what voice utterances are valid right now in the current state, or what are we expecting you to, to say, and maybe give a list of things. And the usability of voice interfaces went up a lot when there was this side channel, a visual side channel to go with it. So it's sort of a subtle point that you won't really appreciate until you actually build these systems, but the the pairing of a visual display with voice um, often makes the interface a whole lot more effective. Um, and and then, you know, just reiterating what you said about the, the social aspects, being able to put a, 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 a face on the display, that's, a, that's very real as well. Maybe even being able to put data on there. But, um, but one of the exciting things to me about the technologies that are pairing the display with the voice is that it actually makes the interface a lot easier to design. And it's the subtleties like that that can make um, voice interaction usable or not usable. Well, let me tack onto that um, uh, and get your thoughts on adding a camera to it. You know, Amazon just announced the Echo Look as well, which is a um, is marketed by Amazon as a fashion device that goes in the uh, bedroom in the home and um, ostensibly helps people uh, have a better fashion sense by using a camera and studying uh, your body type and helping make recommendations. But uh, as was noted uh, back um, in one of our earlier Voice First FM podcasts, that Echo Look has a lot of healthcare applications too, potentially. And uh, I, I just thought I'd get your thoughts on um, how you think that might fit in uh, as well. So I think the the Certainly, it's, it's additional information. Uh, facial expressions um, can be an important indicator, um, and combined with voice for assessing mental state, um, whether people are depressed or not. Um, and so, so I think that additional signal certainly doesn't, doesn't hurt at all. Um, and um, so I think that's that's one obvious need for other places where, you know, I might hold up my, my injured arm or my, um, um, uh, something like that and, and, and get a diagnosis that way. I'm, uh, I'm not sure about that. If, if you've got something that's sort of visually, you know, that bad, maybe we should just get a caregiver out to take a look at you if you're part of the, uh, the <laughs> sure. vulnerable po population. Well, you know, Joe, uh, the, uh, there's actually some famous, uh, when I was, working at a medical school, um, there are some famous internists who claim that they could watch people's necks and based on what they saw with veins and arteries pumping in the neck and comparing that to pulses in the feet, diagnose various heart conditions. 
So maybe it's not too inconceivable to think that with thermal imaging and with the um, you know, micro views of the skin and um, what's happening with respiration rate, that these kinds of diagnoses uh, might not be too far off as far as being able to put a camera on a patient, let's say, in a bed or even when they're speaking to the camera at home to the practitioner, um, they're being scanned all the while. For their well-being. That's actually a great point. There's some uh, work the last couple of years uh, by my, my former uh, uh, Mitsubishi Electric colleague, now professor at MIT, Bill Freeman, that showed that the, the, the tiny change in color due to the, the blood being, being, being pumped uh, could be seen in the skin and in the face in cameras and be exaggerated so that you could visually see it. So we can't see it when we're looking at somebody. I can't see your heart beating due to the change in color in your skin. But the computer can actually see that. And, um, and he did some work showing how you could measure heart rate. Um, and I've seen other work where you can measure respiration as well. Um, so being able to get some vital signs um, out of the camera is is not crazy at all. It's doable. There's some great video out there. If you if you Google for Bill Freeman, MIT, um, uh, you can see that. Um, so I think that's also a, a possibility as well. Although, you know, we should be careful about not not using the, the, the wrong modality. I think um, while you can do things with vision and with voice that are very powerful, um, there's also things you can do with wearables and other sensors. Um, and and maybe the whole package is really what will will drive this forward for the the homebound um, uh, population. So that it's it's voice, it's vision, it's a wearable sensor for blood pressure, maybe for um, maybe it's an implanted sensor for glucose levels or something like that. But you could imagine instrumenting the population. You can also imagine instrumenting the environment. Um, one of my uh, uh, favorite projects that I, I, I watched for many years was the Aware Home at Georgia Tech, a project where they instrumented the house to see what they could learn about inhabitants and their behaviors. Oh, wow. And, uh, and just a very simple, again, an audio application. They listened to the, they put a microphone on the main sewer drain of the house. So all it was listening to was the water gurgling out of the house. But from that, you could tell, like, who was taking it, somebody was taking a shower, somebody was flushing the toilet, somebody was cooking. And there's a rhythm to that. And when people, um, something changed in the house or something changed in behavior, uh, that was noticeable in just listening to the gurgles of the sewer. Um, and, you know, somebody stops washing or somebody stops cooking or somebody stops going to the bathroom, that could be very indicative of something seriously wrong, particularly for disabled and elderly. And the fact that you could pick that up from, uh, from just that simple signal suggests also that there's other uses for, um, you know, if you've got a microphone in there listening for voice, it can listen for a lot of other things as well. Um, so the potential for once you get that beachhead in the home of something that's microphone, camera, and display, um, who knows what the potential is for, for providing services um, to, to people who need them. It's funny that you would um, reference microphones in the house. I was just speaking to uh, my brother, who's a software developer, about um, the idea of having a home security Alexa skill, um, I don't think, or, or a voice skill, it could be on any platform, uh, but uh, I, don't, I don't think it's technologically feasible, but basically the gist would be 
um, you uh, would tell uh, your Amazon Echo, just to use that as an example, that, hey, I'm going out of town. So uh, Echo, please begin listening to the house. Um, and at that point, you know, it's already, you know, if it listens to your kitchen for a day or two, possibly less uh, is needed, you know, it's going to establish a baseline level of volume. Um, it's going to know after a day or two all the different, you know, certainly a week, um, you know, scientists can figure out what the exact amount of time needs to be, but some amount of time is going to go by and within, you know, a 95% confidence interval, uh, they're going to have uh, recorded all the different sounds that your house makes. And yeah. so from that point forward, if your house makes a different sound, uh, guess what? You've got somebody in your house or you've got some, some other sort of problem. It's just funny to hear you talk about it from a health context, which makes perfect sense. I, uh, I, the first thing I thought of when I saw the Echo look and seeing the camera is thinking about, you know, people think of a camera and they think of the pictures it's taking right there in that instantaneous moment in time. But for me, uh, as a melanoma survivor, how perfect it would be to have a camera that can capture your body every day over months and years. Um, and, you know, to have it be able to say to somebody, hey, you, uh, that mole on your uh, leg um, isn't red anymore. It's kind of black. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, you may want to go see the doctor. You, you want me to call the doctor, uh, your doctor? Uh, you want me to call and set up an appointment? Or if a call is not even necessary, you won't just want me to set an appointment? Um, something like that uh, obviously would save lives. So, you know, it's, um, it is an exciting uh, new world. So I just want to throw that in there. Matt, Matt it's all you. Yeah, I just – this is, that's a great point, Bradley, but based on what you just shared and what Joe was sharing earlier about – um, these data points in the home, including sounds and the gurgling from the the uh, drain pipe in the house, uh, what comes to mind here is we're going to be constantly deriving a relationship between, instead of millions and millions of data points, billions and billions of data points uh, that we get through speech, that we get through sounds in the home and the body and visual from the body. Joe, Given the massive increase in data points that we'll now be able to connect with these kinds of technologies, what does this mean about how we generate guesses about the world we live in, including healthcare? Well, more data is always better, um, at least in good hands. Uh, just the, 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 the point you made there about the uh, skin lesion detection, there was a paper in Nature in the last few months uh, that showed a machine learning system that outperformed, I think, 21 uh, dermatologists in diagnosing um, melanoma. And wow. this was a very wow. detailed study mm. where they'd actually done biopsies of all of the lesions that they had imaged. So it was ground truth. Um, and um, so, you know, that future is here. Um, and, and voice can be used for the same thing. One of my, my colleagues at CMU is working on being able to detect, for example, early signs of Parkinson from the from the voice signal. So, so whether it's uh, visual or whether it's it's audio based, there is the ability to do some uh, diagnose. Well, diagnosis again. I want to be careful about that. I think everybody in the medical profession feels that these should be used as indicators, but final decisions should be made by by medical staff. But in the context that we're talking about, the disabled and elderly, uh, particularly on Medicaid, um, things can fall through the cracks. Having these uh, automatic checks, I think, are quite important. 
but yeah, we're, you could imagine, and for good reasons, that um, if you're at home and have you know the full package in there, that your life is being um, monitored and 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 processed at a level that um, that really hasn't happened before in human history. Basically, all of this data being gathered about you, it's all for a good reason to provide you quality health care in your home. Uh, but it is, uh, for some of us, it will take some getting used to the idea that, you know, every little, uh, you know, from flush of the toilet to utterance that I say is maybe being recorded in there, all with a good reason, but still still a little little scary. <laughs> yeah, it can be, which brings me to another question for you, which is I don't think anyone listening or even participating in the conversation we're having today would disagree that, um, these days, we are hopelessly hooked on our technology. Um, our phones are the primary example, but in not a short period of time, um, these kinds of voice technologies in the home will be a secondary and otherwise primary example of this um, disconnection anxiety that you can feel when you're not utilizing one of these tools. Uh, given the concerns of healthcare through HIPAA and other privacy concerns, what comes to mind for you, Joe, when you think about um, benefiting and optimizing this technology as well as protecting our privacy and making people feel comfortable uh, in a world where um, so much of your behavior uh, can be predicted in a way in which you can't hide anything? Yes, I think that, well, there's a number of things in here. I think the principle that data can only be used for the purpose, the stated purpose for which it was gathered, that's something that people... Um, uh, really need to adhere to. And it can go beyond HIPAA in many ways um, uh, for that. But I think that principle is sort of like the golden rule of this data gathering. Um, and and I think that's a, uh, that's a key issue. Um, I think the other thing is, is a level of security about um, biometric data that I'm concerned about. If, if your financial data gets stolen, there's remedies to fix that. The credit card company will send you a new credit card. But if data about your 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 body, your medical state gets stolen, you can't you can't change that. You can't grow a new finger if somebody steals your fingerprint. Um, you know you can't uh, uh, grow a new kidney if uh, one of your kidneys is removed for for cancer or something like that. So. Once that data gets out, it's sort of permanent, at least for your lifetime. And, and that scares me a little bit that we're not really up to protecting that data because the norms have been set for financial data, which, while bad, is, is, is fixable. So uh, I think having the right principle in mind about how the data gets used, being more careful about uh, security protocols, they, that this is the place where the rubber really meets, meets the road on security is, is in healthcare and biometric data. Um, and, um, but I think as long as people derive real benefit from it, I think that's, that's a place where most people seem to be willing to give up some privacy and willing to give up data is do they get real benefit from it? And if they do, they're willing to do it. If you're giving up the data and you're not getting anything for and it's being used for something else, that really rubs people the wrong way, as it should. But I think the scenario that we're talking about here is we're talking about undeniably strong, strong benefits in providing better health care at home, allowing people to live in their home longer, providing them better health care at a more reasonable price. 
these are real, real benefits. So I think that, that in general, people will be willing to give up their data but um, because they'll get that benefit. But they'll want to know that um, the use of the data has been They've been informed about that, and uh, and they should expect that it's being protected and secured at the highest level the technology will allow. Yeah, and you know, Joe and Bradley, um, there's been technologies throughout the millennia that people have said, this is it, this is going to ruin us. Um, and we seem to get through it all, you know, microbiology, nuclear energy, uh, cloning, um, even with technologies now with CRISPR and other genetic modification tools. Something that humanity has been really good at doing is setting up systems around that to keep us from having a, a total uh, meltdown. And um, th- we've done a pretty good job of it, uh, in my opinion. So maybe the future isn't so scary with this. Maybe humans can be more reliable on using this the right way. Joe, I'm yep. going to wrap it up. Uh, we greatly appreciate you. Uh, greatly appreciate you setting the time aside. Before we let you go... I want to ask you, we were talking about music uh, before the podcast began and, and how you recently saw U2, uh, as I just did uh, at Bonnaroo. I want to ask you, for the record, what is your favorite U2 song? Oh, I, I like them. I like them all. Uh, That's not an the, acceptable answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you got to pick one, with or without you, I like. But uh, oh, yeah. I go there back you go. To, yeah, uh, I played. Uh, Bono and I used to play on the neighborhood chess team in Dublin, Ireland, which is how I how I know him. And uh, are you serious? Absolutely. And uh, uh, what we're for folks on the call, uh, I'd, I'd send around earlier a photograph of me backstage with them at their conference uh, here at their concert here in Pittsburgh. And mm. um, yeah, they um, uh, we 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 were chess playing buddies. Uh, he has a strong interest, both he and the Edge, in investing in healthcare. Um, and uh, so, yeah, they're they're also technologists and um, and and very interested in this. So, who knows? Awesome. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you for sharing. Uh, just like I said, some of your time and some of your perspective. Uh, brilliant guy. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. Um, and for the voice of healthcare. Thank you for listening, and until next time.